today with a special guest, Mr. Chris Legg. Chris, thanks for coming in. It's good to see you. Hey, it's <laughs> it's wonderful being back on campus. Not. No, just kidding. No, I, <laughs> well, I, I saw, love I, my time at Gilman, and it's great always coming back. I saw you at the Starbucks uh, a couple days ago, and it's good to see you. I haven't seen you in a couple years, and I'm interested in catching up a little bit about what you're doing in retirement and some of the books that you're reading and the projects you're working on. Okay. Well, um, you know, teaching is such a full life. And when all of a sudden (laughs) the checks are no longer coming, but more importantly, you don't have to be anywhere. It's a a real shock, Uh, you know. uh, and, And frankly, I found the transition a little difficult at first because, you know, while there were tons of things to do at home, I've got a, a nice uh, property, a couple of acres, uh, you know, always things to do. I never wanted to do them. Mm-hmm. Well, well, that's, uh, I, I think that's pretty common in retirement is people, you see people go into retirement and then immediately like a year later come out of retirement and you know, start teaching or doing whatever it was that they were doing beforehand, again, because it's it's a shock. It's, you know, you have all this time, it, it seems like. That or, or they, frankly, they die. <laughs> uh, but um, so it's, it's, been, it's been a transition. Uh, but I'm now, curiously, at a place where I have more things to do than time to do it. Hmm. Uh, and, uh, and that's, frankly... Uh, a joy. So how are you spending your time, you know, uh, in retirement? I see a stack of books that you've brought in. I, I really want to talk about the Washington biography, which I'm teaching U.S. history one section this year, and I've looked through that book a little bit, and, you know, it's a massive book. Uh, Ron Chernow, and he's written a ton of presidential biographies, yeah. um, including Grant, the most recent one, I think, Ulysses Grant, which we're getting towards the Civil War in my class, so I'm, I'm going to be picking up that book, too. But what are you reading right now? And uh, tell us a little bit about the Washington book. Okay. Well, let's, let's start off with the Washington book. Uh, what was this country like, uh, really, when the Indians were here and, uh, you know, the colonists were first arriving? It's, uh, it's a topic that, for some reason or other, fascinates me. Um, and uh, uh, there, there's a line in, in this biography, uh, something to the effect that uh, Washington didn't, didn't go uh, to college. He went to war. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, as a, uh, you know, it's, it's really quite unbelievable uh, when looking at his speeches and various things, to think that he had really nothing more than a grade school education. Uh, but, uh, you know, the setting for uh, his, particularly his early, uh, some of his early experiences. For example, uh, he went, uh, one of his early missions was to go deliver a letter to uh, the uh, French commander at Fort Duquesne. Um, uh, and he went there during winter. Uh, 
uh, you know, crossing over the mountains, uh, fording streams. Uh, uh, he had some, uh, you know, unbelievable experiences with Indians uh, and, of course, with the French. Uh, so we're so fortunate that there are so many great biographers who are uh, practicing their art these days. Uh, Ron Chernow is one of them, but I've actually read um, uh, three biographies of Washington. Oh, wow. Uh, and they all, the biographers, all of them are really excellent, and they have slightly, you know, sort of different interests and different skills. Chernow is, is remarkable for his... Uh, his, his ability to use fiction techniques a la the new journalists mm -hmm. to create a sense of setting, uh, to create suspense. And uh, anyway, it's, it's a magnificent book. Uh, and uh, well, well, I, I've loved, you know, uh, getting to understand Washington a little bit more. And it's opened up, frankly, it's opened up some trips for me. I want to go to... <laughs> Valley Forge. I want to go to uh, Yorktown. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, I want to go to, and I have a nephew uh, who's uh, in Pittsburgh right now. I want to go to Fort Duquesne. Uh, uh, so those are things that I want to do, but I don't feel like I have really all that much time to do them. Well, uh, Valley Forge is pretty easy. I was actually there this past weekend. I grew up right down the street from Valley Forge. My sister got married there. Uh, it's got a great hiking and walking trail, and they, they actually have a new visitor center for Valley Forge. And, you know, yeah. you can learn a little bit about the winter they spent there in Washington. And, you know, it's just amazing stuff. Um, so that's an easy trip. It's only a couple hours. It's a day trip. <laughs> well, I, I, you know, just have to get off my duff and go there. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, so reading has become uh, a lot of fun. Uh, I actually have a routine. I go to my office, which is the uh, Starbucks in Mount Washington, which is a beautiful uh, Starbucks because it's uh, is a converted uh, you know fairly old brick building mm -hmm. uh, and it's got a nice space to it and uh, I feel like I'm sort of slowly getting you know to know some of the the the, the people who go there regularly I yeah. mean very very slowly and I, I don't want to do it quickly or anyway, I don't want any deep relationships or anything like that, but it's kind of fun going to a place uh, and uh, feeling a little bit like it's your office. Yeah, I like that a lot. <laughs> um, and it was really fun seeing you there the other day. Yeah, um, yeah it's a good run-in. I, I go there a fair bit. Um, I think of Starbucks when I'm not at Gilman and not in the Gilman Library or my office or the the studio here as sort you mean, of office. There are times when you really want to get away from Gilman. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. And Starbucks is just a good place because, you know, I like seeing people there, but sometimes you can just post up and nobody really bothers you, and you've got your yeah. coffee, and it's they they play the light music in the background, and it's a good. And you might even convince yourself to grade a few compositions. Right, you know? right. <laughs> it's a good uh, relaxing and focused place. Yeah. Um, 
So back to Washington, what about him as a leader, as a person, fascinates you so much? So I'm, I'm teaching this U.S. history class, but I'm also teaching a leadership and character class for seniors and elective. And I think Washington's a really interesting study as a leader because he seems like he was a born leader. He was made for, you know, uh, inspiring and leading people, not only because he was a big guy, he was, you know, 6'3", 6'4". I think height helps a little bit, but he was also just, you know, I, I haven't read anything written about Washington that from people during this time that, you know, everyone really revered him and loved him and followed him in a natural sort of way. Uh, I'm not so sure if that's actually true. He had, uh, you know, he had a number of rivals. Uh, he didn't have a great relationship, say, with Jefferson. Uh, uh, one of Washington's great strengths was he realized his limitations uh, or the things that he wasn't nearly as good at as, as other people. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, and uh, there was no hesitation, I think, to turn to them. Uh, so I liked that uh, sort of honest appraisal of oneself. Um, the second thing he had was he had a presence. Uh, and uh, I mean, this is going to sound a little corny, but um, probably the greatest man I've come across is Mr. F was Mr. Finney. Hmm. And he had a presence. Uh, I mean, the last thing you wanted to do would be to disappoint him. Uh, and uh, uh, there was this amazing, I don't know, vibe to Mr. Finney. Uh, and uh, Washington, uh, as a young man, I think, was quite ambitious and uh, quite uh, self-focused. Uh, he wanted to own great stretches of land. Uh, he wanted to be an aristocrat. He was from a second-tier uh, family in Virginia, second or third-tier family in Virginia. Um, uh, he, uh, he uh, anyway, his great ability was basically to stay in the game. Uh, in, in the Revolutionary War. Uh, he wasn't, I don't think he's been admired by military historians as a, a great general from the standpoint of strategy, movement of troops. Uh, but um, he kept the army together and he realized at a certain point that his greatest success is going to be simply not being defeated. Uh, and uh, he did, uh, and he was willing at times when he knew just for the sake of morale he had to do things, uh, he was willing to, to take considerable gambles, such as the crossing the Delaware mm -hmm. uh, and uh, uh, that particular, uh, you know, Trenton-Princeton uh, battles. Uh, but... Uh, well, it's interesting yeah. you uh, you bring up Fort Duquesne because I 
you know, taught a little bit about the French and Indian War and Washington's blunders. You know, he was not very successful in the French and Indian War. He was kind of looked upon as, you know, a fool in some instances. But he, he had this mindset that he almost wanted to redeem himself, you know, during the American Revolution and, you know, rise above the, the errors he made during the precursor, the French and Indian War. Um. You know, it's funny. I have a, a good friend uh, who, um, you know, I, I basically <laughs> uh, shamed him into finishing <laughs> the Chernow biography. He got about, <clears throat> I think he got about 35 pages, and, and I kept sending him emails. Bart, how far are you? And <laughs> look, you got to. He finally did finish uh, finish the book. Um, and then I said, well, wasn't the whole incident with Braddock an amazing chapter in, in Washington's life? Uh, and uh, Bart, Harvard grad, Bart, who's <laughs> uh, a brilliant guy, uh, uh, <laughs> he couldn't remember, particularly remember it at all. Uh, but... Um, you know, I'm not sure exactly uh, what you're talking about. Um, uh, the uh, Braddock defeat, uh, well, one thing that was interesting was that Washington had no formal training. Uh, you know, he did not go to uh, a, a, a military school. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think he picked up things on... Uh, from various people, but also where he could from books, and his opportunity to um, uh, to go to war with Braddock was an opportunity for him to really learn about being a general, uh, about being a commander. And he fairly early in life realized or, or, or thought, "This is what I want to do." Uh, and uh, uh, Braddock uh, was faced with an almost impossible job, but he, he's you know, sort of trained in European techniques, uh, and he realized the hazards of you know, basically going to Pittsburgh. Uh, 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 and he did it very slowly and methodically, basically built a road uh, in part, stretches, build a road there, but he was ambushed in a, in a place uh, where uh, his troops were confined to a th narrow corridor, and uh, uh, you know the Indians and the French were uh, were uh, impossible to see because they were behind uh, 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 you know things to to shelter them. Uh, but. Uh, Anyway, I've sort of I've forgotten my point here exactly, but uh, uh, Washington, with this incredible presence, uh, his ability to uh, uh, recognize his own strengths and weaknesses, um, uh, and then a fair amount of luck, uh, because he, uh, well, he, he came back from a number of uh, of battles with uh, bullet holes in, you know, uh, in his clothing. Mm -hmm. uh, and he 
was not shy about exposing himself uh, in the action of rallying his troops. Uh, so anyway, there was a lot about Washington that, that, that I, I really liked, including, uh, <laughs> including a little romance. Uh, you, you, you might remember that uh, he was his first love, uh, uh, was the wife of another man, and right, yeah, yeah, and and she, and they corresponded, and and uh, some of the letters almost seem like they're written in code. Uh, uh, I think that's you know those are the best <laughs> part of some of these biographies. You know the little s side tangents, I guess you could say, or chapters into the personal lives of the of the figure that make them more human. You know, not only are you learning about Washington as this great general and, you know, leader and um, I would say natural born leader and, re you know, respected founding father, but you're also seeing the human side of him. And, you know, I think the same can be said with Hamilton. I've got Hamilton's biography yeah. and you learn a little bit about his affair and yeah. his marriage and sort of the, you know, the I don't think you could say gossip, but the, the, the personal life that is yeah. you know, happening at the same time that these people are doing great things for the future of the country. So anyway, it's, it's a lot of fun uh, reading. And uh, so that's, that's a big part of uh, kind of my retirement life. Uh, I always try to throw in a little work on the grounds at home. Uh, so I've been raking. I mean, every... You know, I'm not going to use a blower. Uh, you know, we're in an energy crisis. <laughs> so I'm using a rake mm -hmm. and an old sail. I was a, quite a dedicated uh, sailor. Oh, were you? Uh, yeah, earlier in uh, my life before that avenue kind of got shut off. Uh, How'd you get into sailing? Uh, I, uh, I learned how to sail first at a camp, a summer camp in New Hampshire. Uh, and then... Uh, I was very fortunate that uh, the woman I married, uh, her grandfather uh, had gone up to uh, a lake in Ontario and uh, had bought a, a log cabin from a farmer. It's an absolutely beautiful lake. Uh, and boy, was I surprised to find a bunch of Baltimoreans on this lake <laughs> after uh, you know we were married and I went up there for the first time with her. Uh, but uh, anyway, uh, so I get to, to, we took our kids up for about six weeks in the summer, and uh, one of the things that went on up there was uh, sunfish racing. And when I, uh, you know, it was races twice a week, and it became a big thing, you know, I just loved. And when I came back, uh, I just realized I've got to sail in Maryland. Uh, and I went down to Annapolis, joined a small boat club called Severn Sailing Association. I'm sure some of the Gilman students uh, and, and quite a few grads uh, are familiar with that. It's a, a top small boat sailing uh, club. In, 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 uh, and uh, so, you know, at a, a certain point, I was traveling all over. Uh, to sail. I've sailed in Florida. I've sailed up in Canada, uh, New England, 
and it was basically putting a laser, which is a single-handed boat. It's basically the length of a sunfish, but it's it's a has a much more uh, sophisticated rig, but it's relatively simple. Uh, so uh, anyway, uh, it was something I really really loved doing. Uh, now, are you are you originally from this area? Did you grow up here? Or where are you from? Uh, I'm uh, born in Baltimore. Uh, and went to Gilman. <laughs> did he? Did he really? <laughs> yeah. And uh, uh, then uh, after college, I uh, decided that I wanted to go into journalism. Uh, and uh, a, a, a somehow or other, I connected with a former Sun Papers reporter who had started some weeklies in Vermont, and uh, I worked as a journalist in. Uh, uh, in Vermont, uh, and and then later for the Memphis Commercial Appeal, which is the morning newspaper in Memphis, uh, and then I went and worked in Washington, uh, uh, following legislation in sort of the newsletter world, which is a really, really soul-sucking world because <laughs> it's just details. Not very, you know, anyway, it was, wasn't a whole lot of fun. Uh, and uh, then I transitioned uh, into teaching at Gilman. So as a journalist, let me ask you, because I know that you have this book on the New York Times that you brought in. Yes. Um, how do you, I guess, make sense of journalism today and, and n- news today? Because I, I took a class in college uh, during the 2016 election about bias in news and it was you know it was with this woman who I'm sure is in this book um, Jill Abramson uh-huh. and you know I was lucky to be in this very small class of people and and taking this class during an election year where we just talked about different news sources and, and the subtle biases or the not so subtle biases that you know impact your understanding of current events and what's going on in the world so you know as someone who is in that, industry and who's reading this book on the New York Times like wh- how do you how do you parse through the news and get through the bias and try to figure out what what is true that's happening in you know the United States and the world well um, you know there is uh, going to be it's impossible probably to run a totally straight line through an event. Uh, But uh, I didn't really have any trouble attempting to do it and and trying to be as objective as possible uh, in my days. Uh, You know, uh, you always go to to both sides. When I was following legislation in Washington, for a House Senate caucus, that was the, it was called the Environmental Study Conference, and uh, we were funded by uh, Republicans and Democrats. Uh, so it was a bipartisan caucus. When they contributed their staff money to basically hire a reporting service, which would tell you about environmental legislation, um, people who read this were primarily uh, staffers and advisors for. Uh, the senators and representatives. Uh, And so they would find out that, say, for instance, on a particular energy 
uh, a piece of energy legislation that the environmentalists uh, favored, uh, you know, this amendment. Uh, it was opposed by the industry, maybe by the, the power industry. Uh, so, you know, you, you attempt to find people on both sides of an issue. You attempt as best as possible to try to understand it. Um, I think that, uh, uh, you know, in, inevitably bias does creep in, uh, but uh, good reporters are constantly trying to, you know, to be as objective as possible. Mm -hmm. uh, I loved a book called The Kingdom and the Power by Gay Talisi, which goes, have you ever read that? I have not, no. Uh, it's an absolutely wonderful book. Uh, and uh, this book right here, uh, is this book right here uh, is an attempt to bring uh, the kingdom and the power up to date. Uh, and it sort of describes, uh, you know, the top editors and uh, their routes to their position, uh, the, uh, the publisher and the interactions and, uh, you know, anyway, it's, they're just very strong, uh, very interesting personalities, and uh, I think it's it's fascinating to to see. But I I think that uh, you know I, I can't understand. I have an older brother who's uh, actually two older brothers who have done quite well for themselves, uh, and uh, you know they think the New York Times is completely biased. Uh, the only thing they'd possibly want to look at is the Wall Street Journal, uh, and and I just can't relate to it. I don't understand it. Hmm. You know, I love the New York Times. Uh, hmm. Interesting. So this book is kind of a history of the New York Times and an update on that that Gay Talisi book you you mentioned. Uh, if you want to read and and. Uh, uh, back in. 1982, uh, when I uh, came to Gilman, and Mr. Finney uh, had set up a, a day for me uh, to observe various teachers. And uh, one of the courses uh, that I sat in uh, with was the government course taught by the great Gilman teacher whose name is just blanked out of my head, but who is he? Uh, he's retired. Uh, government teacher. Yes. He taught government. Um, was, uh, I remember, you know, bringing him down when I was coordinating assemblies in the middle school. You know, I had to get him to come down and, and give an assembly. Uh, uh, anyway, uh, I was sitting in on that uh, uh, that class, and the book that was being discu discussed was uh, uh, a, a book about um, the uh, uh, coverage uh, of a of the presidential race, mm -hmm. and uh, it's just fascinating. Uh, little vignettes about the different reporters and their styles. And uh, uh, the guy's name was Timothy Krause, the writer of the book. Uh, 
Come on, what's the name of that book? <laughs> uh, so I'm I'm interested. Uh, yeah. In you know your time at Gilman when you were a student here, and yeah. kind of what are some of your fondest memories being here? You know, as a teenager, as a high school student. I don't I don't know when you came in as a student at Gilman, but what were those years like for you? Uh, you know, when you were here, not as a teacher, but as a student. Uh, uh, well, I came in as a, se- a seventh grader. I had gone to <laughs> Calvert, <laughs> uh, and uh, Gilman had, had some, uh, you know, just some wonderful people who were there. Uh, and one of the things that I am proudest of is that in my post-Gilman years, I kept up. I kept up with Mr. Russell, uh, Edward Russell, uh, uh, and he was uh, he was the guy who founded Gilman Wrestling, uh, and uh, taught at Gilman for some incredible number of years. Uh, was just a lovely person, uh, and you know one of sort of the kindest, friendliest. I don't know, there was a presence about him. And uh, so anyway, I would uh, come back into town. Maybe I was living in uh, Memphis, Tennessee at the time. I'd come back into town, and what would I do? I would call up Mr. Russell, and uh, we would go have lunch together. And uh, I remember going down to Thompson's, uh, Thompson's right down here at Cold Spring and uh, and York, and uh, uh, Mr. Russell and, and I were, you know, it was a luncheon. Uh, would you like anything to drink? Mr. Russell said, yes, I'll take a double uh, vodka and another one in about 10 minutes. <laughs> so he was, he was your coach or was he? He was, uh, my, my coach was, I had two varsity coaches, uh, Mr. Marshall and Mr. Brown. Edward, Edward Brown uh, was my coach my junior and senior year. And uh, Mr. Russell was uh, an, uh, sort of a deep assistant. And uh, he, he was, uh, you know, well advanced in his years. And we used to I used to laugh with some of my uh, wrestling friends because uh, Mr. Russell would, uh, Chris, let me show you a move. And he'd take off his glasses and he'd put it down to the side and then he'd get down onto the mat, which would take, you know, 20 seconds or so. And then he would say, okay, uh, get on top in referee's position. And you get in top of referee's position, trying desperately not to put any weight on him. <laughs> but anyway, he was just a wonderful, lovely person. Uh, and um, uh, let's see, uh, Mr. Finney uh, w- w- was assisting, uh, assisting uh, during uh, some of those years. Um, and uh, actually, to change the topic slightly, here's one of my favorite memories of Mr. Finney. Um, 
Mr. Finney, and I'm the varsity wrestling coach, and Mr. Finney is uh, uh, now, no, ta he, he's taken off his gray suit, <laughs> which he wore every day, right? And he's put on khakis, and he's put on, you know, some sort of flannel shirt. Uh, and he's gone over to the wrestling room, and he's just sitting against the wall. Uh, and uh, it's time in, in that practice for live wrestling. Uh, and uh, I say, you know, pair up, pair up, let's go, let's go. Uh, Mr. Finney, Ty, this was Ty House, our heavyweight. Ty doesn't have a partner. And he goes, oh, 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 oh. He, and he takes off his glasses. Uh, and he, he gets on Ty, and believe me, uh, Ty uh, had new respect for uh, the switch, uh, <laughs> which was one of Mr. Finney's moves. Uh, and, <laughs> uh, you know, that, that's one of my favorite stories. Love it. <laughs> so did you play other sports when you were – you played lacrosse maybe or just wrestling? Uh, well, believe it or not, here I'm going to brag – I was the captain of, co-captain of the football team, uh, captain of the wrestling team, and co-captain of the lacrosse team. Hmm. And uh, I, uh, I played left guard and linebacker uh, both ways on the football team. And, uh, uh, you know, that was the most amazing experience was playing on Mr. Finney's team. He, uh, it was his uh, next to last year as the varsity football coach. Uh, and there was no person who was sort of more all in than Mr. Finney. On, uh, the games would be filmed, and on Monday, you would get in your mailbox, you'd get a, sh a thick sheaf of papers uh, with a play-by-play uh, description, uh, and you would get a grade based on how you performed, you know. So it might have been a waggle. Sherman Bristow was the quarterback, uh, and it was leg. You missed your block, uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, anyway, uh, yeah, Mr. Russell, Mr. Finney. Uh, and these are names that you've heard before. Nick Schloter mm -hmm. was an unforgettable uh, and tr terrific teacher uh, and presence. Uh, Jerry Downs, um, uh, I, I wish I'd had, a, had gotten Mr. Barker, uh, um, who was the head of the English department. Uh, but... Uh, uh, I, I love Mr. Baldwin, so when who was the uh, headmaster uh, uh, in my, uh, I guess, uh, junior and senior years, maybe sophomore or two. Uh, it went, oh, uh, Mr. Callard was uh, headmaster my first, uh, yeah, my first, I guess, two years, uh, and then... Mr. Baldwin came in, and I think he was always seen as a sort of transition 
headmaster. Uh, uh, and then uh, two years after I graduated, uh, Mr. Finney became the headmaster. When you left Kilman, went into journalism, what, what made it um, appealing for you to want to come back to Gilman as a teacher? What was that decision like? Well, I had, uh, journalism wasn't really a very good uh, uh, career for me. Uh, I got into it because uh, I had a great experience writing my senior paper in college uh, and uh, uh, just, you know, I just took off on it. Uh, and uh, got, you know, did, did well, got an A-plus on it, and the teacher wrote, best one I've read so far. Wow. Uh, was, do you remember what it was on? Yes, it was on Robert, the novels of Robert Penn Warren. Uh, and uh, uh, so anyway, based on that, I decided to try writing. Uh, and uh, my problem was, uh, I was not fast at absorbing information, and I was not fast at spitting it back out. Uh, and uh, so, uh, you know, I persisted, worked hard at it, uh, and developed my skills. And in retrospect, it was the best thing for me to do because uh, uh, I became a student of writing during those years. Uh, you would see what your editor I had a terrific editor for the Memphis newspaper, uh, and you would see what he would do with your copy. Uh, um, anyway, uh, it was a frustrating experience, uh, and uh, so I found myself uh, in my mid-thirties, you know, working down in Washington, not enjoying it. And uh, I decided, you know, I thought, what, what am I going to transition to? And uh, uh, I ended up by deciding on uh, teaching. And uh, so um, uh, there was a service from my college, the college I went to, where you, they would send out your resume uh, uh, and a cover letter uh, uh, to uh, colleges, I mean, to wherever you wanted to apply. And uh, uh, so, so anyway, uh, so I wanted to teach. It was going to have to be private school because I had, don't, didn't have an education degree. And uh, I applied to schools all up and down the, the uh, East Coast. Uh, and uh, actually all across the country now that I think about it uh, and um, uh, since I'd had a I don't know a, a, a very close relationship with Mr. Finney uh, 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 I don't know he immediately uh, 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 basically offered me a job awesome Back to the Robert Penn Warren. I haven't read any Robert Penn Warren. What um, what made you want to write your, I guess, your senior thesis on his books? All is it all the President's Men? Is that Robert Penn Warren? Yes, yeah. 
Well, uh, that is a, have you ever read that book? No. It's a fabulous book. I know there's a movie too. Yeah. Uh, Robert Penn Warren was uh, most famous for his poetry. Uh, uh, but anyway, he, uh, I was an American studies major uh, and uh, uh, you know, I loved all the King's men and I don't know, started, I don't know exactly what the uh, initial impetus was because I hadn't read many of his books. Uh, the, many of the other ones aren't particularly famous. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, one's called Night Rider. Uh, um, 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 Knight Rider, uh, well, I'm kind of, my memory is failing me here. It's been quite a few years. But um, they, I detected a pattern, okay? So the main character always uh, was started out as a bit of an idealist. Uh, and then as... Uh, he became more sophisticated uh, and more observant of the adult world. Uh, he saw uh, these cracks in it. He saw the hypocrisy of uh, various people. Um, and um, you know, then as uh, he becomes disillusioned, uh, cynical, but somehow or other, he doesn't give up, and he's still committed to honestly looking at the world. He sort of detects the humanity and the, uh, the courage and, I don't know, uh, forgives. There's an element of forgiveness as well. Uh, and uh, he's able to, I don't know, piece back the world and, and see it in a positive light and to see people in a positive light. Um, and uh, that was the process that was, uh, that sort of got played out in almost all of his books. Hmm. So that was, that was the idea. Another book recommendation right there. That's great. <laughs> Yeah. Well, Chris, thank you very much for coming in and talking a little bit today. Um, you know, today's episode's a little bit shorter, I guess, because we've got class today. It's a Wednesday, so classes are a little bit shorter. But hey, you know something? You need you need to do a little teaching. I need to do a little teaching, right? It's not all yeah. fun and games. Yeah, <laughs> and, and yeah, and I'm amazed that you had the time to, you know, sit and chat. Uh, anyway, it's been it's been a lot of fun being here. Well, we'll uh, we'll see you next time in your office at Starbucks, reading <laughs> books, writing, uh, you know, making making the world a better place. So thank you very much for your time. It's been okay. fun. And thanks a lot. Really appreciate it. Have a great day. You too.